Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in, with the sporting news, it's college football time. Bill Bender joins us at Bill Bender 92. And, Bill, we've got a week uh, here in Nebraska till the trek to Minnesota. The countdown is on. How are you doing? I'm ready. You know, I was ready to talk games and spreads and coaches and narratives and what happened yesterday? We had another little turn on the realignment cycle. So, yeah, it's, it's been a wild summer, but I'm ready for these guys to kick it off and start playing on the field. I, I am too, and it's been kind of a, a just a crazy summer with the Big Ten's additions. But I want to get your thoughts on something Trev Alberts touched on with his radio show last night, and that is the, the topic of – I don't want to call it relegation, but there may be a day someday soon where the SEC and the Big Ten and some of the other halves just merge into one little mini NFL. And I wanted your take on the Nebraska brand. Is Nebraska in danger or would be? Would Nebraska be in danger of being left out of, I guess, a core group of college football names? Um, I mean, no, I don't think so. I, I... You know, it's interesting. I read Trev's comments, too, and got to talk to him at Big Ten Media Day about Matt Rule, but I didn't touch on realignment with him because we didn't really see it coming. But, I mean, Nebraska, if we're being honest about a program assessment, it's not like the 90s. Everybody knows that. But I think the interest level, the ratings, the attendance, the things that TV networks look at still favor the Huskers. And I think right now they're in a decent spot of, if you were ranking the top Big Ten brands, and this isn't programs, this is brands, I still think Nebraska would, I think, five or six right now. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, that's that's super fair based on the last six years where they're not even over 500 in Big Ten play. Right, but it's not my lifetime. Of course I know that they, they've had great years as national championship program. I mean, their national championship drought, I, you could look at it this way, too. You could say, hey – Penn State hasn't won a national title since 86. What are you talking about, right? Sure. Uh, Michigan and Nebraska split in 97. The Wolverines haven't won one since then. Uh, Wisconsin hasn't won one in my lifetime. So I still think they have that brand cachet. That's me, though, as a traditionalist of college football. i tell you what, Chris, I've been looking at college football. I was thinking about this the other night. College football now versus college football 40 years ago. And I took a peek at some of the conferences, and I just can't help wonder if some of these teams might not wish it was still like that instead of what we got right now. Agreed. Uh, absolutely agreed. It was a simpler time. I know Georgia and OU and Switzer sued for their ability to to be on TV as much as they wanted to be based on their, their value. And it has opened the proverbial Pandora's box to 
Now uh, you look at what the Big Ten's got set up schedule-wise. I mean, the quadruple header, we smile about because, well, we're in the Big Ten and Big Ten country, but you have some programs and some conferences that are that are going extinct or could be. Yeah, and you just don't want people to be left out. I think that's – and that's uh, – this round of realignment, and I kind of said this this morning in a editorial meeting, I said, you really look hard at realignment. I mean, SMU – has the potential they're going to win if they get in a power five conference, right? They're going to win. CF wins. Um, Cal and Stanford win. If, if the ACC picks them up, big losers are Oregon state and Washington state, because they're probably going to end up in the mountain West conference at this point. So it is a little bit of relegation in that sense. And trends on to something, because the more I think about it, if we head toward this NFL model, it's only going to be, I could ask you the same question, Chris. How many programs matter at that point? 50, maybe? Yeah, I mean, you'll have a top 50. You'll have, I mean, you look at the SEC, and you've got some real juggernauts and historical names. You still have, you know, the Miamis of the world that are there. Same with Florida State. You go into Texas, and you got the A&Ms and Texases, but... Quite frankly, the TCUs and Baylors have been better than Texas the last 10 to to 12 years. And then you have some of those other programs that are decent enough in football, but man, their their basketball program's still something to write home about, the other sports as well. So I don't know what that number would be. Would you look at it? I mean, what do you have in the NFL? 32. 32. 32. You could say 32 and, and put Green Bay at the top of the list. That'll be fine. And then we, no. <laughs> I had to get one in. No, do it. That's fine, man. I, I, I want to get the Lambo someday. But you could draw a line at 32, but I think you could you could be safe at 40 you know, with college football. Yeah, and I think that's what this ACC move is all about. And it's kind of the move within the move to me is if the ACC is proactive and grabs – Stanford and Cal and SMU and, and has a late night TV slot that they're preventing the SEC and Big Ten from just doing this mm-hmm. and grabbing the 40 to 50 schools that they want. And maybe, I mean, the thing that Trev brought up that I've always been interested in is will they ever kick a school out? Now, I go back to that 1984 discussion. The Big Ten at, the, at that time, you look at the power conferences, the only two conferences that haven't had somebody leave are the Big Ten and the SEC. Those are the destination conferences. Those are the ones you go to to be in. To, you know, uh, you know the ACC expanded, too. I guess they didn't lose, but they lost Maryland. Maryland went to the Big Ten. Bill, whenever you talk about the fact that the Big Ten and the SEC hasn't been losing anybody, I think that's kind of what Trev was getting at in the comments last night, that, you know what, that might not be the case for forever, not because the schools choose to, but because the Big Ten decides that schools aren't of value. So I want to get your take on a system of promotion and relegation, similar to what we see in, in Premier League soccer. Do you think that could be viable for the future of college football? You know, I don't watch a lot of soccer, so you would have to explain to me exactly how it works, but the concept is not foreign to me. Um, yeah, like what if they, in 10 years, they're like, hey, Rutgers, you haven't pulled your weight. Hey, Northwestern. Um, you've been terrible for this many years, and then they start relegating teams. And that's why I say when you look at that original Big Ten from 40 years ago and then you kind of peel off a couple teams, if I was branding the Big Ten, I think that there's 
probably, well, this doesn't count the West Coast schools, but probably six or seven that would be worthy of that super conference status when you check all the boxes. And I'm talking tradition, mm-hmm. revenue, uh, wins and losses, uh, marketability, those kind of NIL, how they're doing NIL, how they're doing transfer portal. How are, are they considered like an organization? You know, it's like kind of like fast food restaurants. Is this a major corporation or just a local chain? And the game is set up for the major corporations now. Bill Bender's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Bill, want to get into a little bit of Nebraska and Minnesota. You know, what in your eyes is a good showing? Yeah, a win would be nice for Nebraska. I don't know if that'll happen or not, but can you make a, a basis for maybe how the season will go off of this first game? And what, what type of weight do you put in it for Nebraska at Minnesota Thursday? Well, I mean, with Coach Rule, I mean, I was around him a lot at, at Big Ten Media Day. I was around Jeff Sims a lot at Big Ten Media Day. And kind of my takeaway there, and you heard him talk about it, and it's cliche in some ways, but they talked about how, being a disciplined team. So to me, that means are there a bunch of false starts? Are there holding calls? Are there the things that have happened in Nebraska in the past couple of years that have led to so many one-score losses? If this is a one-score game, does Nebraska win it? Um those are the things I'm looking for. I think it should be a fun game. Minnesota's got a little bit of sleeper value. They are the only Big Ten West team whose starting quarterback isn't a transfer. Yeah. I found that kind of interesting. The rest of the schools are playing a little bit of transfer roulette, and that's going to make some for, for some unpredictable first couple weeks for these schools. I can tell you I think this will happen with Jeff Sims or you know, Cade McNamara at Iowa or Tanner Mordecai at Wisconsin, but the truth is you're not going to know until you see it. Bill, whenever you look at the Big Ten West as a whole, who do you think, as of right now, has your advantage to go have the honor of playing either Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State in the Big Ten title game? And I say that jokingly, obviously, because of the Big Ten West history there, but it feels pretty wide open sitting here in Nebraska, the Big Ten West, as it always does, really. Who do you think has the advantage? Because you look at Iowa, their offense last year wasn't great might be the understatement of the year, but they've made some progress through the offseason. Wisconsin's got a brand-new head coach. Nebraska's got a brand-new head coach. Purdue's got a brand-new head coach. Northwestern's got a brand-new head coach. Everything about the Big Ten West just feels like you're going to be setting yourself up for failure if you try to make predictions. So that's what I'm going to ask you to do. Make a prediction on the Big Ten West. <laughs> Other than that, right. Other than that change, here's what's the same in the Big You know, yeah, uh, last year I, I kind of made a joke that Back again in July, you wouldn't have heard me last July saying, hey, you know what? Late November, Purdue, Illinois is going to be huge, and the winner's going to go to Indianapolis. You know, I didn't say that. Um, I think that'll be a, uh, you know, there are two teams that are going to be unpredictable as well. But I went with the old standby. I went with Wisconsin. I, I've, as much as I've talked about Matt Rule, and I like that hire, I like Luke Fickle too. I think he's got a little bit of a better foundation in Wisconsin to work with. And the hire of Phil Longo could really change the makeup of that program. It's going to look different. He promised it was going to look different. But I like their talent, and I think they're the safest when you're throwing darts to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's right on. And to me, it's going to come down to Iowa, Wisconsin. I think Iowa's got to go to Wisconsin. Does that sound right? I don't have the... They do. Yeah, the Wisconsin schedule in front of me. I know Wisconsin Wisconsin also gets Ohio State, but I think they host Ohio State. That may not mean much, but it's better than the alternative, and that's going to the shoe. And, uh, you know, I just think, uh, to your point about what Wisconsin's got, good offensive line, stud running back, a quarterback that could be 
beyond a manager with Mordecai and uh, 18 total starters back. Fickle can play defense and coach defense. So I think Wisconsin's going to be really, really tough. Uh, and, and I think Iowa will be really good, too. That may be Iowa's, you know, I know Penn State comes to Kinnick, and they have Ohio State, too, this year, too, I believe. So Iowa's, Iowa could have a 9-3, a, 8-4 uh, a and and type season, but it could be a, a more complete team, Bill, with what, uh, what additions they've had on offense. They, and I think their defense is really good. They just they lost a lot of first-round talent. Sure, and you know the the key to that is Cade McNamara, and will he keep that? He he's like the perfect Iowa quarterback, by the way. Yeah, accurate, is. good leader. Gonna have the. I think they will be better. Um, will they be thirty points a game? Good, probably not. Um, but that's not their style, and and Kirk still finds a way to win. So there there is a case for every team in the division. And you mentioned Iowa, uh, you mentioned Wisconsin. They're the two safe ones, and. The other additions that Iowa made, Erica All, the tight end, and Cam Brown, the wide receiver from uh, or Caleb Brown, I'm sorry, from Ohio State, they're going to have some more weapons on that side of the ball, and they're going to have some experience. But like you said, I'm actually looking at how do you replace a guy like Jack Campbell? How do you replace a guy like uh, uh, Kayvon Merriweather on that defense? Luke Van Ness, uh, first-round pick. So they've got some holes to fill on the other side this year, which is uh, – Kind of a different narrative that we haven't really talked about a lot. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Bill Bender with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Bill, over in the East, Ohio State has been picking up some uh, momentum, at least according to Vegas, in terms of finally being able to take down Michigan and be Big Ten champions or uh, maybe even be national champions. Uh, Vegas has liked what they've seen over the past about month from Ohio State. So I want to get your thoughts on the Big Ten East and where it stands. Is Michigan still the favorite in your mind? Um, you know, they're even. They, they really are. It's coin flip. And Michigan's made it a coin flip now. So despite the hardball suspension and everything that went with that, which was totally bizarre, Ohio State's got a, the most American talent in the country, I can tell you that. Our preseason All-Americans are out this week. Ohio State's got more guys on that list than anybody else. And it starts with a guy that a lot of people think is the best player in the country, and Marvin Harrison. So they're loaded. They haven't picked a quarterback yet, which is interesting to me. But I think both of them are going to play early in the season. And they have the three big stage games against Notre Dame, Penn State, and then ultimately Michigan. But, I mean, Michigan, Ohio State, and even Penn State, you got to consider them. It's going to be a really fun division to watch. I want to go uh, away from college football for a moment. And I know you put this out in, in June, and the uh, the countdown continues with the top 50 phenoms, right? Yeah, you, the, the hype, did you buy in? Are you more as a Packer fan? Do you think more about the, the Favre get? You traded for him, I know, from Atlanta. But the Favre get and, and then land and Aaron Rodgers, those two – acquisitions or do you still privately fume about the uh, the Tony Mandriches of the world? <laughs> That's the one that, that gets every Packers fan going because when we had this article that we did at Sporty News, when it came, the conversation turned to Tony Mandrich, a couple of our younger editors were like, I've never really heard of him. And I was like, well, why don't you look at the next three names in the NFL draft then? <laughs> and it was, uh, you know, it's Dion and uh, – Barry Sanders and uh, Derek Thomas. Yeah. Like, those guys were pretty good. That's why Green Bay fans are still mad about it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And hype is what it is. I know we retweeted that today based on the Strasbourg news. But mm-hmm. it's, um, 
You know, I, I always, when we did that list, I just kept saying the way hype is now has changed so much than, than when I was a kid. When I was a kid, it was baseball cards. That's how you, okay. you, you did hype. And, and maybe a video recording of a guy in high school. But now it's everywhere. It's early. And it's almost harder to deal with that hype, I think, because you, you guys deal with recruiting. It, it, there's 15-year-old kids that are hyped up as the next Patrick Mahomes. That's the name we're doing now. Were you in the Greg Jeffries era where you had to get that Fleer rookie card? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I had them all. I mean, that's why I say the one for me, if I was ranking number one after LeBron's number one, yeah, and, and he is, and that's easy. But for me, the next guy, and, and some of this has grown up in Ohio, it's King Griffey Jr. Yes. I mean, we knew about him when he was at Cincinnati Moeller. We knew he was the son of King Griffey Sr. My son's 12. I can't impress on him enough how cool Ken Griffey Jr. was. I still think he's the coolest athlete maybe ever. He he was must-see, man. I mean, breakfast table, 13-inch black and white, cables just kind of new. There's uh, Dan Patrick and Oberman or Kilborn doing his highlights. And we're slow playing our serials so we can see Ken Griffey Jr. and his debut. Right. It was a triple. And that was the guy we, we got on. We got the Ken Griffey Jr., the father and son poster. And then it continued to blow up. I mean, we'd, we'd go to Cincy games if, if they were uh, playing the Cubs. Uh, we'd try and get there to see when he went, when he went to Cincinnati. We didn't. And then we'd, we'd try and see the Mariners. Who in the hell would ever want to go see, willingly, the Mariners pre-Ken Griffey Jr.? <laughs> right. But, but, you, but you did. That's Dad's like, all right, where are we going on vacation? We're going to go see the Royals, yes, but who do you want to see him play? It went from the Yankees to those McGuire and Conseco Bash Brother days to all right, here's King Griffey Jr., let's lock in. I mean, that's you're right about that. I mean, and you smile about it now, but, man, did he deliver. He absolutely delivered. He did, and, and we had fun with that list. Now, the college football side was a little bit harder because you can get to college from high school, but the hype doesn't always materialize. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, you can use Ron Paulus countlessly in yeah. that discussion. But, you know, there are guys that have come in through college that, I mean, Adrian Peterson's one where I thought from day one, I was like, NFL star. Don't need to see him play another down in college. He's an NFL star. And there's been a handful of guys like that, but it rarely happens anymore. You need that three years in college, and I still maintain that. Uh, yeah, every time that discussion comes up, I, don't, I, don't, I think I can count on one hand the number of college football players that I thought first time I saw him play is like, he's done, he could be done in college and I'm good. There aren't too many like that. Bill, to bring us back to college football here, I think the most hyped prospect right now in the, the world of college football is probably Caleb Williams following what he did at Oklahoma the Heisman season last year and the weapons that that USC offense has this year. I think a lot of people, as you kind of laid out the Patrick Mahomes comparison, see Caleb Williams as the next quote-unquote Patrick Mahomes. And I want to get your thoughts on not just USC and Caleb Williams, what they face in 2023, but really the, the Pac-12 as a whole. It's their swan song. Do you think that the Pac-12 could send a, a team to the college football playoff in their final year being a conference? Uh, we'll find out. It's going to be an interesting year. It's going to be some better feelings, I'm sure. And the thing that the conference has going for it is a bunch of good quarterbacks. Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Bo Nix. I mean, you go all the way down to uh, Shadur Sanders and Dante Moore, potentially. So it, it is a loaded conference. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think we have USC in the playoff at Sporting News, but um, you know, the coin flip between them, a second SEC team, and Clemson or Florida State. So the, the, what 
can go right to the conference can go wrong. It's kind of like last year. They had all these good quarterbacks and great games, and you kind of cannibalize yourself in that 14 format. I do know a lot of people are going to be rooting for Oregon State if Oregon State finally breaks through because they don't have a conference and they're getting relegated and all those things we talked about earlier. Bill Bender's with us. Bill, have you seen uh, the Swamp Kings on Netflix with Urban? Yeah, I've seen them all. I've seen Manziel. I've seen Swamp Kings. I even watched BS High because that happened here in Ohio, unfortunately. Um, yeah, yeah uh, Swamp Kings is going with it because it obviously omitted some things. Yes. But it did show, and it does remind you, I mean, Urban and Tebow was pretty, pretty darn good on the field. But it's those things off the field that, that we also remember that didn't probably get touched on as much. But I keep reminding people, you know, Urban has the third best, highest, Winning percentage of all time, so uh, yeah, it, it was it was good. It was not great. It was good. Manziel was okay, mm-hmm. and the BS High one was probably the most infuriating as somebody that's been around Ohio high school football his whole life. Bill, we'll get you out on this. Bill Bender, Sporting News. Follow him all college football season. Read him SportingNews.com, of course. At Bill Bender ninety two. Are you going to get to a Nebraska game, either home or away, or do you have your schedule laid out? Is there anything that, that uh, you'd circle? I know we, like, a year ago we were talking about Ireland. Uh, and, and <laughs> but, but I would have came back. I, yeah, well, I would have just stayed. We had a great time. It was wonderful. But uh, any game that you'd want to get to for Nebraska? I'm hoping. You know, our schedule's pretty flexible here early in the season. We'll see how it goes. I know uh, – one that we have circled for September that I know I'm going to be at will be Ohio State Notre Dame. That will create a big overreaction uh, either way. And that's why, much like we watched Nebraska and Northwestern as a tone setter, I think Saturday's a tone setter for the Irish. You know, everybody's going to be watching. Sam Hartman, Notre Dame, uh, second year for Marcus Freeman. We know that the pressure of coaching there, and, and we'll see how it goes. But definitely uh, that one. And I'm hoping to. I really want to get up to Nebraska. I want to see you guys out there i love talking football with nebraska people and i'm not kissing up but you guys love football as much as i do and it's just so fun to have these conversations bill it's awesome to get caught up with you thanks for a few minutes today thank you